Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. Good morning, Rocky Valley. Looks like a full house today, so we're grateful for everyone that came. If you're a visitor, we are so glad you're here with us this morning. If you were given a visitor's card, if you don't mind, just fill that out, drop it in the offering plate when it comes by. Run through our announcement list real quick. August the 26th is going to be family day here, so there will be no children's church that morning. August 31st will be women's night out, dinner and escape game. If you're interested in going to that, the sign-up sheet's in the Welcome Center. Uh, September 8th will be a youth event, so if you have any youth that, that don't normally come and are interested in joining us, uh, get with myself or my wife Jennifer, and we will be happy to give you information about it. Uh, it's local, and it's, it's one day. It's just a Saturday afternoon through the Saturday evening. It's called Worship in the Woods. September 9th, Grandparents' Day trip to Quality Nursing Home during the morning service. And then November 17th, we will have a Women's Day Out Lunch and Play. 
You'll be going to Crossville to watch the Sanders family Christmas play. We'll leave the church at 11. If you're interested, there's a sign-up sheet back here in the Welcome Center. Marriage retreat. If you are interested in going on the marriage retreat, please meet with Brother Jason after the service this morning uh, to discuss some timings around that. And then if you're interested in going to Women of, Women of Joy next year, women, the sign-up sheet's back here. Or Wait, I don't know if it's back there or not, but get with Jennifer about that if you have any questions. And then softball team. Larry is forming a softball team for Rocky Valley. Plays at Tucker's Crossroads. If you're interested in joining that, uh, there's a practice this Tuesday night at 6.30 at Tucker's Crossroads. And then August the 19th, which is next Sunday at 2 p.m. back here in the Fellowship Hall, we'll be having a, the women's Sunday school class will have a baby shower for Jerry Marshall. And so if you're interested in coming to that, they are having a boy. And so that will be back here in the Fellowship Hall. And I believe that is all the announcements that we have. So I'm going to uh, open us up in prayer. And then after that, if you'll take time, greet each other, shake hands, smile, and, and give hugs if you, if you feel so inclined. So we'll go to the Lord and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this morning. Lord, just thank you for the service that you've gathered us out here for this morning, Lord. Lord, we know that you're already working on hearts, Lord. We can feel your, your presence in this place, Lord. And I pray that, that as we worship you this morning, Lord, that we lift you up in song. And Lord, that, that your spirit just rests over us, Lord, and just starts opening hearts to receive your word. Lord, I pray for Brother Jason, Lord, and the message you've laid upon his heart, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you, that you speak to us this morning. And if there be someone in our, our midst today, Lord, that doesn't know you, Lord, and, and you're drawing them to you, Lord, let today be the day of their salvation, Lord. Grant them courage to stand up, Lord. Proclaim, pro, proclaim you as Lord and Savior, Lord, and to, to enter into their, your kingdom, Lord. And Lord, I pray for those on our prayer list, Lord, those that are fighting sickness and cancers, and those that have lost loved ones, we lift them up to you at this time. Just forgive us or we fail you, Lord. It's in your Son, Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you'll greet each other. ye saints of the Lord is laid for your faith in his excellent word. Will you sing?
wedding offering at this time. Brother Mike Hearn, will you lead our prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you for, for this beautiful day, Lord. God, we just thank you for the opportunity to just be in your house this morning and feel your presence. God, would you just come down on this place, Lord God? We thank you for this good crowd that we have this morning. God, just for how you bless us today, Lord. God, as we give back a portion to you, Lord, just use it for your glory. We love you, Lord. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Continue to worship, singing beautiful one.
truth, the word of God, that all heaven and earth shall pass away, it'll never change what we believe. Ain't that the beauty of the word of God? It'll never change, never fade, it'll never falter, never fail, never shift, never be twisted by culture, never be twisted by man, it will always be the word of God. No matter what happens, it'll never change. Think about everything that changes and recognize that no matter what happens, nothing can change what we believe. Once you're a child of God, you're His. Once you're His, you're His, and nothing can change that. This morning we'll be in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, how the church responds to persecution this morning Uh, We dive into the book of Acts together. The the book of Acts is really a chronicle of the early church, really a chronicle of the actions of the disciples in the years following the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the ascension of Jesus Christ. Uh, This book establishes the the, the details the establishment uh, of the early church, the coming of the Holy Spirit to the Jews and to the Gentiles, uh, the ministries of Peter and Paul, are chronicled very closely. And when you consider what we just sang, that the Word of God never changes, that what we believe never changes, the fact of the matter is this. If we are to expect results similar to what the early church experienced, then we need to do things similar to what the early church did. Because things haven't changed. There's not suddenly a new handbook for how we are to gather and have church. We already have the handbook. We already have it right here in front of us. And so the book of Acts gives us some detail as to how they did church in the early church. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I look at the early church, I see things that I would like to see happen in the church today. I see numbers added daily, and not just the kind of numbers that preachers talk about at the associational meeting. I mean those real numbers, where the, where the, not the church number was added to daily, but to the bride of Christ was added to daily, where people got saved every day. Where We didn't worry about which building you went to to worship. We worried about which Savior you worshiped. We didn't have to worry about which set of walls we built. We had to worry about whether we gathered in the parking lot or not because we didn't have room in the walls. There are things going on in the early church that I'd like to see happen in our church today, not just at Rocky Valley Baptist Church, but at our church globally today. I would love to see us respond to the Word of God the way the people of God did in the book of Acts. And so let me ask you this question. If the Word of God is unchanged... If God is unchanged, if all of those things are timeless, 
What has changed? Well, the answer would have to be the church has changed. We have changed. We no longer respond to the message of Christ the way that they did in the early church. And so we want to look at these things this morning and say, how does the church respond to persecution? The last couple weeks, we we looked at the book of Titus, and we were looking at the establishment of the, the governmental structure of the church. We looked at how a church that honors God ought to look. We looked at how our relationships with each other and with the world around us ought to look as we looked to Brother Titus. And one thing that we stood on, we said, above all things, the church has got to stand on sound doctrine. We have to stand on the Word of God. That is what we must stand on firmly and unapologetically. This morning we're going to look at what happens when the church does that. Because what's going to happen when the church stands unapologetically on the Word of God is the rain is going to fall, the persecution is going to come. That's just what's going to happen. That that is just how it works. When believers honor God, persecution is not far behind. It is just the the, the way, the ebb and the flow of the life of the believer. And so the persecution of the world always follows the obedience of the believer. So this morning we're going to look uh, to Peter and to John and to the early disciples and we're going to see how did they respond to that persecution as we look to how we ought to respond to that persecution as well. This morning, if you are able... Would you please stand in honor and reverence of the reading of the holy words of our holy God from Acts chapter 4 beginning in verse 8. And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By him this man stands before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, and they marveled. They realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that is a notable miracle has been done through them. It's evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. But so it spreads no further among the people. Let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. And so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voices to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Let us pray. Father God, we pray for what only you can do this morning. And is that would be that your spirit would manifest itself in the lives of people this morning. God, we pray that your presence would be here with us. 
and that you would escort any devil or any demon out of our minds and out of our thoughts because, Father, we recognize that you have the ultimate dominion here. God, let us glorify you with every word that is said, with every song that is sang, and every prayer that is prayed because you alone are worthy of our worship. You alone are worthy of our attention. God, draw us to you. And it's in your precious name that we pray, Jesus, as all of God's children said. Amen. Amen, and you may be seated. Now, we're going to dive into verse 8 together this morning. That, that's kind of where we're going to take off. But to keep us in context together, uh, to this point, when we, get to, when we get to verse 8, the Holy Spirit has descended on the church back in Acts chapter 2. Uh, the people started getting saved daily. The church started multiplying. They started living their lives together. They were breaking bread together continuously. And then you get to Acts chapter 3. And on Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are on their way to the temple for the hour of prayer, the Bible says. They're on their way to the temple to pray. And while they're on their way to the temple to pray, there's a lame man, a man that's been lame or disabled from birth. All right, This guy has spent an entire lifetime of doing what he's doing right now. He, he's standing outside the temple. Right, He would catch the people. He knew when the people were going to the temple. He knew the people that were going to the temple were going to the temple to worship God. And he knew that one of the responsibilities of those who were going to worship God would have been to give alms or give things to the needy. And so he placed himself in the path of the people going to the temple to beg for their, for their mercies, basically. To beg for alms is what the Word of God says. That's you know your food, your money, anything that you can give me. Anything that you can give me. And that's how this guy made his living. All right, that's what he did. He was disabled. He couldn't really do anything else. And so he made his way to the temple every day. And so Peter and John are on their way to pray in the temple. And they see this man who has been lame for birth. And he's begging for alms. And Peter looks at him. He says, listen, I don't have silver. I don't have gold. But what I give you, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. Now, if you look back at Acts chapter 3, according to verse 7, the man starts walking. The man who was lame from birth begins walking as Peter, in the name of Jesus Christ, tells him to get up and walk. And then Peter doesn't really stop and marvel at this thing is done, which what blows my mind is that Peter was so consumed with the Holy Spirit that he already knew what was going to happen before he spoke it to happen. And he's only his way to do something and so Peter continues with what he's going to do so Peter journeys through he heals the the man in the name of Jesus and he walks up to what is called Solomon's portico now that's basically a fancy word for a porch that was over on the side of the temple and so it would kind of elevate Peter a little bit so he would stand there now remember the man was was begging because people were coming so there was going to be a crowd Peter said wait a minute I got a crowd I'm going to preach Jesus for just a minute so he gets up on the porch and he starts preaching Jesus now if you found Fast forward to the end of Acts chapter 3, you'll see in verse 26 that Peter says something that really stirs up some trouble. What Peter says that's going to get everybody in an uproar are these simple words, God raised up Jesus. God raised up Jesus. Now, here's why that was going to, going to cause a problem. Those old bunch of Sadducees, right? You've all heard that old Baptist jerk, joke, joke, jerk. Well, that's me. That old Baptist joke. What are they? They're sad, you see. Right? They're sad because they don't believe in the resurrection. Right? That was their claim to fame. They were the religious leaders. And they didn't believe in the resurrection. And so when Peter stands on Solomon's porch and proclaims in front of all these people, God raised up 
Jesus. That messes them up, right? That messes up everything that they stand for. And so they start to look around. They said, guys, what are we going to do? We, we concocted a cover story. We said that the Roman guard stole the body and that Jesus was dead. We tried to get rid of him with death. And then, and then he, he, he rose again. We know he rose again, but we can't explain it. So what we did, we tried to hide it. And, and what's going to happen if these people keep talking about Jesus and they keep talking about the resurrection of Jesus and they keep acting under the power of the Holy Spirit and this movement keeps going, boys, we're going to lose our foothold of authority. Because every foothold of authority that the Sadducees had was on their interpretation of the law and holding you to their standard of the law. And so they start to see this power slip away. And so they've got a problem with Peter and John in Acts chapter 3. They healed a man in the name of Jesus. They preached the resurrection of Jesus in the temple. And so in Acts chapter 4, what happens is that the church has got obedient and the world begins to persecute. Right? I told you that was what was going to happen. It happened then, it happens now. And so the church gets rolling, and then the persecution comes. Peter and John are arrested simply for preaching the Word of God. Simply for preaching Jesus. That's what they're arrested. That is their crime. That's their great crime against humanity, is that they preached Jesus Christ. And so we're going to look at three ways that Peter and John this morning, we're going to look at how they responded to this persecution. I don't know about you guys. But that seems like persecution to me. To be arrested for simply preaching the name of Jesus seems to be a great deal of persecution. The first thing that we're going to see is that we have to have a response in boldness through the Holy Spirit. A response of boldness through the Holy Spirit. Now, they get arrested and they're brought before all these important leaders. And all of these guys are gathered around. And the question is asked to them. Now, keep in mind, they can't really say... What's this that you spoke? Because it was just words that they spoke. They got to bring them in and they got to say, listen, there was a man that you healed. Right? That's the great crime that they brought him in. You preach Jesus and in the name of Jesus you healed somebody. Now, now you, you healed this man now. What do you say about this? Now, what they know is, is that Peter and them are not supposed to say what they're getting ready to say. All right. What would be easy for Peter to do is he's brought before this great court. The easiest thing for him to say is, look, I don't know what happened. I was walking by, I, I babbled some words, dude started walking, let me go home. And they would have let him go because he wouldn't have stood boldly, but instead Peter lets him have it. All right? Peter lets him have it. He, he kind of stands up and he says, listen, it was by the name of Jesus. It was by the name of Jesus that this helpless man was made well. But he doesn't stop there. You see, Peter's got his audience, right? Peter said, this persecution that has fallen me, that I've been arrested, I believe that this is for the glory of God. I believe that what happened is all these old boys needed to hear about Jesus, and God brought me to this place to preach. So I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to go ahead and let them have it. He says, not only, not only was, was he healed by the name of Jesus, but let me tell you who Jesus was. Jesus, you know that one you crucified? The one you concocted this plan for. And he, I think he kind of pointed at him when he said it. The one you crucified. That one you crucified and, and God raised from the dead. Right? Let me put that one in there. The one you crucified, God raised from the dead and he's healing people now. Uh, and, and Peter knows that this crowd that he's preaching to is not going to be receptive to the words that he says, he, he's not lacking intelligence, but what Peter's doing is instead of standing on intelligence, he's standing on faith. 
right? Peter says, I'm not going to work up here. I'm going to operate right here where God has saved me from what I was. And I don't have to be scared of what these people can do. I don't have to worry about what they can throw at me. He says, there's nothing they can do to me that compares to what I was bound for before Jesus saved me. So I'm going to preach Jesus in this opportunity. And he says, you know what? It's by the resurrected Christ that this man stands before you. You can can just imagine this man. Forty years, the Word of God says, he was lame. And then all of a sudden, at the name of Jesus, he starts walking. Now, I'm not sure about you guys, but my guess is in the days between when he was healed and when he stands in this court this man probably told a bunch of people that I can walk because some men healed me in the name of some Jesus of Nazareth. The one that they killed, the one they crucified they say he's rose up and I can't help but believe them if they were able to speak healing into my legs that nobody else could heal. And this man stands before you and I believe Peter kind of looked over, he probably put his arm around him he said it is by the resurrected Christ That this man stands right here and all of your alms that you gave and all of your utterances that you gave on the way by left him sitting on the porch. But in one utterance in the name of Jesus Christ who was resurrected by the way, this man rises and walks. And then Peter says, in case they think I'm stupid, I want them to know that I know the word of God as well as they do. So he quotes from Psalm 118. And he says, this is the stone that you builders rejected. And now it's the cornerstone on which everything is built. See, you guys tried to reject it, but what you didn't realize is it wasn't yours to reject. It was already the foundation of the entire world. And you tried to push the foundation of the world out. Well, guess what? You can't do it. You ain't got that much power, sad you see. And that's why you're so sad, you see. I didn't even call myself a jerk that time. And then Peter speaks what is perhaps my favorite verse of the Bible. What is perhaps the rallying cry of every effort of evangelism that has ever been in the church when he says these words. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Think about the magnitude of that verse. You know what that means? It ain't about you. It ain't about me. It ain't about what we say. It ain't about how we say it. It's about who we proclaim. It's about Jesus Christ. And there is no other method, no other madness, no other way by which men are saved other than the name of Jesus Christ. Now, Peter is preaching to a crowd who's hung up on works, isn't he? Think about this. He knows who he's preaching to. These people are hung up on this thought that they got to do enough and be enough and feel enough and say enough and give enough to ever get their way to heaven. They've got to check all their boxes each and every day when they wake up. They wake up with their new checklist of things, things I've got to do to be made right with God on Tuesday. And so they would go about checking off their list. And what Peter says is, guess what, boys? When you get to the end of that list, you still ain't right before God. And when you started that list, you still wasn't right before God. And when you went to checking boxes, you was checking the wrong boxes. All you needed to do was stand up and say, Jesus saves. And you'd have been made right before God. But instead, you was checking boxes all the way to hell, boys. Keep checking them. And he says, this man was helpless. He had nothing 
No way that he was ever going to be made right. And boys, you might not like it, but he was saved by the name of Jesus Christ. There's a boldness. There's a boldness to stand in the high court and do what Peter did. At the beginning of verse 8, it tells us where that boldness came from, didn't it? Those first words. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. That's all you need to, that's all you need to see, church. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Church, we're going to be persecuted. We better be persecuted. Let me say it that way. You know why we better be persecuted? Because if we ain't being persecuted, we ain't working. If we ain't being persecuted, we ain't being obedient. I can promise you this. The world won't silence what's already quiet. Let me say that again for those of you that woke up late this morning. The world won't silence what's already quiet. The squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? I don't know about y'all, but I want the oil of the world trying to silence my squeaky wheel. I want them to say, well, y'all know that old preacher over at Rocky Valley? That dude just won't stop. He just won't stop. And he's got a whole bunch of people in that church that have come together to worship the name of Jesus. And they just go about telling everybody about Jesus everywhere they go. Every time somebody looks at somebody from Rocky Valley, they go, well, what's different about you? And you go, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I want them to say, we need to pass an ordinance, a noise ordinance, because every Sunday morning over on Old Murfreesboro Road, it gets the doggone loud. The neighbors complain because all them doggone Christians come together and start shouting the name of Jesus. I got news for you. I'm the closest neighbor. I don't care if we shout. I talked to Mr. Marshall. He's next. He said he don't care if we shout. So we got to get loud. We got to get some neighbors on down the road to hear us shouting. I want them to do that. Because that means we was worshiping the king of kings the way he was meant to be worshipped. And if we ain't being messed with, that means we ain't doing nothing. Why does it seem like the enemy's raging stronger? Oh, Brother Jason, it's just hard. The world's out to get us. Man, we just, it's hard to be a Christian today. You know why it's getting harder and harder and harder and harder to be a Christian? And I, I might question just how much harder it is. I don't remember the last time I was arrested for preaching. But in other areas of the world, that's still going on today. But you want to know why it's going to get harder and harder and harder to be a Christian? Because Satan's been battling ever since he, ever since he tried to gather up his army in heaven. He's been battling to get a stronghold and overthrow Jesus Christ. And he thought that death was going to be the way he did it. And then Jesus stood up and he stomped that hill right on that serpent's face. And, 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 and church, I'm going to tell you that Satan ever since that day has realized, I can't win, but I'm going to keep fighting. That boy just don't give up. Satan just keeps on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Because if the world hated Jesus, it's going to hate his bride even more. And so what do we do? We keep preaching. We keep teaching. We keep praising by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Church of America today, we don't have anybody patrolling to see if we're meeting this morning. We don't have to hide behind any regulations about how and when we meet at the church house. We, we're, we're free to go, we could have went this morning and had a service at the Timberline Campground. There wouldn't have been a person say anything to us. We could have went to Cedars of Lebanon and had church. There's a service there every Sunday through the summer for the campers. 
And we wouldn't have any government coming to arrest us or kill us. But folks, there are places in this world today that as they went to gather on Sunday morning, they had to make sure that the, 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 the cover was on the outside because the government would come in and kill them. But you know what the Spirit of God's still doing? He's still empowering and emboldening people to stand and gather and worship even in those places. So we got to know that persecution is going to come. And we got to face it with a boldness to proclaim the truth that only comes from the Holy Spirit. So we respond with boldness through the Holy Spirit. But we must also respond with obedience to the Holy Spirit. Now Peter and John stand before the court and they boldly proclaim the resurrected Jesus. Now I'm going to paraphrase verses 13 through 17 for the sake of time because somebody got hung up on the first point. But in verses 13 through 17... Basically what's happened is they've proclaimed the resurrected Christ. They've been sent out of the courtroom. You guys go outside. We're going to talk about you for a minute. And the Sadducees all get together and they begin to look at each other and they say, Guys, we, we've got a problem on our hands. We've got a problem. These guys are not educated men. These guys didn't go to the same uh, schoolings of Gamma Mill that we went to. These guys weren't educated in the scriptures the way that we were, and yet here they come proclaiming the scriptures, and here they come teaching the truth, and they're, they're doing all of these things. we got, we got a serious problem on our hands, boys. That, that one feller just flat preached Jesus. That's what he done. And, and we've got to silence this. And one guy over on the other side said, guys, listen, I need to say a word or two. Um, I know y'all are worried about what they preached and how they used the word of God, but we got a bigger problem. We got a man that was lame for 40 years that's been healed. Now everybody in Jerusalem on their way to the temple saw that old boy begging. Everybody's giving something and now he's walking. Now that's a problem, boys. What are we going to do about this? They, we, we, we can't arrest them. We don't got no crime, and they got enough followers now. If we tried to falsely arrest them, we're in trouble, boys. So what are we going to do? And I want you to look at the plan they came up with. They said, we'll threaten them until they shut up. That's what their plan was. That's a good plan, isn't it? We don't get any more explanation as to what severely threatened exactly meant. But the language suggests that the threat made to Peter and John was, listen, if you keep preaching Jesus, we are going to give you the, the most severe punishment that we have the authority to give you. See, they only had a limited amount of authority. That's why they had to take Jesus to the Roman court to have him crucified. They didn't have the authority to do that. But, but it leads me to believe that they brought him in. They said, listen, guys, we have this much authority, and we are going to do to you the worst things that we can do to you if you don't quit preaching Jesus. And look at what Peter and John said. You know that's going to go well when you tell Peter to shut up, doesn't he? Peter and John answered them and said, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you decide. You judge that one, boys. because I ain't going to quit preaching Jesus. You can decide if it's right, you can decide if it's wrong, and you can do to me what you will, but I am going to preach Jesus. i got to be obedient to my Savior. I'm sorry, boys. 
And whether that's right or not, it's up to you to decide. I've decided in my heart that I'm going to be obedient to the King of Kings. Now, some of you may be thinking, if you were here last week, but the Sadducees were the authority and they handed down the verdict. And the Sadducees would have known when they handed down the verdict exactly what some of you were thinking if you were awake during last week's message. Jesus taught them to be obedient to the authority of the land. Jesus told them to render to Caesar what was Caesar's. He told them that they were to be obedient to the authority in the land. So when we hand down this verdict, they're going to have to shut up because we told them to. Last week we studied in Titus that Paul gives a command to the church to be obedient to the authority in the land. So Brother Jason, what is it? Is the Word of God contradictory here? No. The Word of God's never been contradictory. It weaves a perfect truth. That perfect truth is this. We are to submit to the authority in the land unless the authority contradicts the authority. Let me explain it to you this way. We are to submit to the laws of the land until such a time that the law of the land tells us to do something that's contrary to the law of the land. What I mean is that those in office and those in government and those in authority in the land only have as much authority as they've been given by the Word of God. We are to submit to that unless... What they tell us to do is contrary to what God commanded us to do. In which case, we are to be obedient to God. We are to be obedient to God. And what Peter and John recognized was I believe that they stood there and they said, wait a minute. You said, don't preach Jesus. But when I was standing on the side of a hill, Jesus said to me right before I watched him go to heaven, Jesus looked at me and he said, I want you to go and preach and make disciples. And I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. And Peter said, wait a minute. He said, the Son, that's him. Jesus said, preach Jesus. They say, don't. I'll just preach Jesus and see what happens. Because I don't know what authority these boys have, but I just saw Jesus die and come back. I'm going to stay on his team, right? I'm not real smart. You guys know that. I don't need any jokes. But I like to hitch my post to the right team. You know what I mean? Jesus was killed, resurrected. That seems like a pretty good team to me. I ain't never heard of the Sadducee that came back from the grave. I never heard of the president that died and come back. So I'm going to stay on Team Jesus as long as I said. Now again, church, I want to give you a fair warning. There is likely coming a time, even in America, where the anti-Christian movement will become so strong that we will be told not to do what we're doing this morning. And if we are so insulated and spoiled that we don't realize that that time is likely to come to our country like it is to so many other countries in this world, you got another thing coming. There is going to come a day 
I don't know when where we will be told that we can only gather in this way and we can only do these things and we can only sing these songs and we can only uh, preach these doctrines and we can only say this stuff. And, And can I just tell you something? If it don't come in my lifetime and it don't come in your lifetime, it will likely come in our children's lifetime or particularly in their children. But if, if by chance that day comes while I'm still the pastor here at Rocky Valley Baptist Church, let me just tell you what that first Sunday is going to look like after that verdict is handed down from the government. We're going to walk in the doors of that church and some good-looking preacher is going to stand up here and he's going to open this same copy of the Word of God and he's going to start and he's going to preach every word of it. Because I dig my feet into the concrete that has never changed. Never shamed. It's never been taken away. It's never been one jot, one tittle hasn't gone away. And I don't care what anybody says. That's what I'm going to preach. And as long as I'm the pastor here, that's what we're going to sing about. And I don't care if the guards come walking in and say, stop. I'm going to take it as my opportunity to, like Peter, stand and say, listen, you judge whether this is right or not. But I'm going to preach Jesus, and you're going to hear about him while you arrest me. Sounds crazy, doesn't it, in America? You better get ready, though. Because if Peter and John had to endure it, who are we to say we don't endure the same persecution? If our brethren in Korea this morning are having to worry about how to gather and how to, how to get together without being caught by the government, who are we to think that the same things won't happen here? Say, oh, Brother Jason, that can't happen. This is America. And God we trust is printed on our money. Did you ever think that the things that are going on today would be happening today? Did you ever think that there would be a day when the government would say, you pick what gender you are. And whatever you decide is okay. Go to whatever bathroom you want to go to, boys. Marry whoever you want to marry, guys. Does that sound like we're in God we trust? You think, boy, that's crazy. It can't happen, Brother Jason. Oh, yes, it can. I imagine if you'd ask my granddaddy if there'd ever be a day that a woman would dress up like a man and everybody would praise him on national television for it, he'd have said, no way, not in this country. So just think about that. We must be obedient to the Holy Spirit. We must be emboldened by the Holy Spirit. And I want you to look finally this morning as we close. The last way that the church is to respond to persecution is to worship with one another. Look at verse 23 and 24 with me real quick. Peter and John are let go. And they went to church. They went to church. It says they went to their own companions to tell them what had happened. Their companions, that's their fellow believers. That's people that they'd been worshiping with to begin with. They went to church. And in verse 24, I want you to look at what happens to the church. What happens to the church when the persecution is handed down? Now, I want you to remember what just happened. Right? They were just before the greatest court in the Jewish authority in the land. And the court said, don't preach Jesus. And here their leaders come back and say, guys, we went, to, we went to jail. They brought us out to court and they told us, don't preach Jesus. 
Now, I can just imagine the business meeting when we come in and said, guys, the government said don't do what we're doing no more. And we go, well, how are we going to do it? What are we going to do? We got to figure out, you know, what committee we're going to put on the anti-regulation, deregulation committee and, and the committee to form that committee. We got to vote on it. Guys, what are we going to do? And we'd wring our hands and we'd get nervous as a cat. And what did that church do? They said, all right, let's praise Jesus. Sing a song. Brother Peter, lead us in a song. As we praise the Lord God above that made heaven and earth and sea and everything in it. Folks, when we endure persecution, we ought to run to church as fast as we can get here and worship the God that is above that persecution. Where do you find your help? Jesus. Where can we worship Jesus with other people looking for the same thing? Right here in the house of the Lord. Hebrews says, do not forsake this assembling together of one another. And he goes on to say, because we build one another up. We edify one another. We lean on one another. We admonish one another. Folks, can I tell you what's getting ready to happen? If you come back tonight, you're going to see what's getting ready to happen. They fixing to have a prayer meeting that shakes the walls. You ever been in a prayer meeting that shook the walls? They're getting ready to have one that literally the earth is going to shake when they pray. They didn't get together and figure out what we're going to do. They said we can't preach Jesus no more. They said, well, let's just praise God. Because there was a bunch of Sadducees heard about Jesus while you was there. And we're fixing to get an even greater platform to preach Jesus from. So how do we respond to that this morning, church? How do you respond to that in your life this morning? Well, I ask you this. What, what persecution are you enduring this morning? What, what fiery trial are you enduring this morning? What, what are you going through? Now remember, persecution is the trial that you endure in the name of Jesus. So what, what are you enduring? Well, Brother Jason, I, I can't. You know, we're not allowed to do certain things at work. We're not allowed to do certain things at school. We're not allowed to do certain things in all these places. My friend, might I ask you to do these three things. Receive the boldness of the Holy Spirit. Be obedient to the Holy Spirit and worship God. That's what we do. You know what makes the devil matter in anything? When he goes to pick on a believer and the believer starts praising. You don't believe me? Look at the book of Job. The devil tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and tried. But the believer praised and praised and praised and praised and praised. God won. And I'm going to give you a little fast forward. If you look to the back of the book of Revelation, we win. We win. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. And God, we recognize that it is a truth that as your people, we will endure some persecution. And that if we don't, we're not being obedient. And so God, in your house this morning, I ask you would cause each of your children to look to themselves and ask themselves this question. 
Am I being persecuted for the cause of Christ? If I'm not, God, give me the boldness to proclaim your name in such a way that the world would need to quieten me. God, in your house, there's some who say, I'm enduring persecution. I'm in a season where it's really raining down on me. God, would you give them the courage to be obedient to you through this season and to come and share that burden with their fellow believers here in your house that we might proudly proclaim what we believe, stand unashamed, and proclaim your truth. God, if there's one in here this morning, even one, says, I don't know what the power of the Holy Spirit is. I don't know what it means to draw near to to Him. Brother Jason, I don't understand what you mean when you say be sensitive to the Spirit's call. But, But Brother Jason, what I know is that I've got a whole... I've tried to fill it with everything. I've tried to fill it with church. I've tried to fill it with relationships. I, I keep, keep digging. And Brother Jason, I can't figure out what it, what it is that I'm looking for. God, would you give that person this morning the courage and the conviction to say, I want to follow Jesus. That's the only thing that's going to fill that hole. That's the only thing that's going to satisfy that craving is Jesus. God, we love you. We praise you. And it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen. Please stand. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.